and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Brethren Podcast. That's Brethren like bread, B-R-E-A-D, because we're talking about our bread and we always about our bread. And when I say we, I must give salutations to my brothers, Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D., and Destrian Wells of Destrian Wells Consultant. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? Doing great. Outstanding, man. Excellent, excellent salutations have been given. Um, make sure that you are following us on our social media on Instagram at Brethren Pod. That's B R E A D R E N P O D, and uh, you can follow all of us in our respective internet domains: DestrianWellsConsulting.com, AjamuLoving.com, and MMBBGW.com. But in true Brethren fashion, we must uh, give cheers and take note of what we are sipping on tonight, Doctor Loving. What are you sipping on this evening? Uh, the, tonight is a, a, a decote cognac uh, VSOP, so it's it's a fancy night. I've got my pinky in the air this evening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DJ, what are you sipping on? Hey man, listen. Uh, like I said before, Doctor Loving, uh, he's a little bit more adventurous in terms of the drinks relative to the podcast than I am. I'm I'm about consistency, man. It's uh for the fourth week in a row. It's Hennessy for the win. Hennessy plain. We'll 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 venture off into black and white on other days. And that's <laughs> oh, usual. absolutely, absolutely. We'll crank the uh the Hennessy white open on the uh on the on the birthday of the young prince. There it is, there it is. And as usual, I say I got a couple of more episodes of this whiff of reserve left in me. So that is what I'm on tonight. So. As usual, cheers, gentlemen, to a great conversation, knowledge being dropped, and things being learned and loved. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. All right. So last week we tackled the topic of, uh, you know, avoiding the box. And during that conversation, we talked a little bit about defining yourself as being one of the first steps and avoiding and also embracing that box, especially when it comes to being typecast as far as, uh, being accepted for diverse roles or being accepted as part of a diversity overhaul, if you will. And we'll kind of, you know, tie that in and bring that, bring that forward to this conversation and continue. And tonight's topic is the power of image and branding and kind of honing in on controlling your narrative and what that means. So we'll, we'll throw it to DJ first, as far as, you know, image and branding, just speak to the power and the, the, uh, what, what all it takes really, as far as, you know, the importance of, you know, controlling your narrative when it comes to image and branding. Well, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to kick this conversation off because I think a number of things in light of some recent events that we can definitely jump into later. And also just, um, you know, looking, looking at where we are from a, uh, from a corporate standpoint and the velocity at which things are changing. I think this is a critical time to have this conversation because I think that folks need to understand that today's corporate world is not the, the corporate that you've uh, heard about or known. The same rules may be in effect, but there are different players, and you need to understand how those players think, act, and lead. And so controlling your own narrative is something that you absolutely must do in order to uh, establish not necessarily control, but some positioning or some uh, strategic alignment at the uh, at the table. So there's something that, that I like to open with and just have the listeners have this as food for thought as we develop and grow upon this uh, conversation. He or she 
who controls the narrative, or I'm sorry, he or she who controls the information, controls the narrative. All right? Now, he or she who controls the narrative also has the opportunity to define what success or failure looks like. And I want you to think about how impactful and powerful that is because that determines what your image is to corporate America. So if someone else is controlling your narrative or they're controlling the information, they also get to control your narrative. Now they determine what success and failure looks like for you. A recent study shows that, and we're, we're in, I guess we'll liken this to financial planning. Recent study shows that, you know, families with financial plans stick with organizations through downturns at around 50 to 70%, um, whereas families that don't have a financial plan, they leave almost 80 plus percent of the time. If you think about what that means, it's simple. It's controlling the narrative. You have information, you can control the narrative. Hey, your portfolio is down X percent. We talked about this earlier in the year. You know, this is not something that's not expected. Here's what we're going to do to right this situation. We're going to ride this storm out. Having a conversation with someone up front allows you the opportunity to ride that storm out. However, if we didn't have a plan in place or a financial plan, or in this case, you as an employee, you having a plan to control your narrative, branding yourself, and controlling your image, when something like that happens, you don't get an opportunity to right that wrong. So it's very important that you get out in front of any type of messaging that's related to self. So what I like to tell people is that branding is a situation where if you're coming into corporate, you do what you say you're going to do. And one of the things that's critical to that is not over-promising and under-delivering. You would be far better off under-promising and over-delivering than anything else. So as it relates to branding and image, you know, you have to know yourself and you have to be comfortable with yourself. We've talked about this on other shows, but it's never more important than in this moment that you understand who you are, what you are, and what you want as it relates to your corporate branding. Not just corporate, but that's personal because who you are extends beyond the corporate realm and it extends into your personal life, your friendships, etc. And because of that, consistency needs to be created. And if your work self is far different than your personal self, That's a lot of work. That's a lot of managing of relationships that you need to do. So you need to find some type of balance between the two. And, you know, I'll pause there because I'm sure that Dr. Loving has comments that he liked to share around this topic as well. But it's it's essential to your success as relates to uh, your development in both corporate uh, relationships as well as personal relationships, in, in my opinion. Dr. Levin, real quick before you start, I just want to throw a point out to you and see if you can, you know, tie it in because you're so good at reminding people the importance of people over things. But last week in the the previous episode, we talked about, we mentioned the imposter syndrome. And I just want to throw a point to you and see what you can do with it because you're great at this, is when we're talking about controlling your narrative and the power of image and branding, there are people who embrace this imposter syndrome and, and like DJ put it, they over-promise and under-deliver because they've set themselves up 
to embrace this image that they're not truly. And so physically, and when I say physically, we can say, you know, physical manifestation on resumes and things of that nature where you say that you're qualified for certain positions or you boast in a certain, you know, public setting that you are, you know, good at certain things. And then they put you into that position and then it come, you know, people find out that you're not what you claim to be. So I just wanted to throw that point to you and, you know, see how you can tie it into the power of people over things when it comes to image and branding and people embracing the imposter syndrome. Um, but, okay. So I'll say, first off, it, that that's an important point that you raised. Some people can, can puff up and be far more easily believed than other people. All right. Um, if you say that you can do a certain skill um, there, you know, if you're, if you are a guy that looks the right way, and I say guy because usually people assume that the guys know what they're talking about, and guys of a certain age or a certain hue, if you're a white gentleman in your 40s and you got some grand on your temples, then you look the part, okay? And looking the part for a lot of people makes it makes it, uh, makes folks very comfortable, and they're not going to ask you to back it up. Um, if you are a younger person, a black person, a woman, um, any of those things, people automatically squint when they see uh, your your qualifications because that's what a resume is all about. It's all about uh, puffing up and selling all of the wonderful things about you. Well, there's there's met with skepticism. All right, and so you have to you have to especially once the interactions really begin. And this starts even in the interviews. You have to be as advertised, all right? So you might not have you might not have as much experience with PowerPoint as you would like to have had, but hey, it's important for you to be always building your skill sets, right? So that they can actually match up to what it is that you need to say on paper. And so the goals that you have out there, they're gonna have a certain level, you know, certain things that they, that you're gonna have to say that you know how to do. Man, know how to do those things, right? And and so even though we're talking about image, it's important that you do have the, the skills to back up that image. And then immediately upon first interaction, you start reinforcing by virtue of your behavior, by virtue of your optics, things that let people know that this is, I am as advertised. So you dress correctly. That's right. Okay. Gentlemen, you got to have a collar stay. In your collars, that is straight. And your collars aren't curling up, <laughs> right? Like these are things that, man. You know, I wish that I had Over paid. survival skills. Yes, I wish that I had paid more attention to small things that make a big difference in the way that people perceive what you bring to the table. Right, because if you look like you're fastidious about your tie and your collar and all the rest of that type of stuff, hold on, hold on with that PhD word. Go back, run that back. <laughs> Wait. When it appears that you are that you are attentive to these small things, what was the word? Uh, for, what was for, the word again? Fastidious, man. Y'all write, write that down. <laughs> when, I'm gonna give a on, definition of it in a second. When when you're on top <laughs> of all these things, what happens is people start to say, "Oh, you know, he is." About what it is that we think he's about, right? He's 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 precise. He is attentive to detail, which everybody says in the resume. They're all attentive to detail, right? And so 
your the things that you show people are consistent with what it is that you that you want them to think and what it is that you actually bring to the table. Now, when you start deepening um, your relationships, and and I think Destrian hit the nail on the head. It's about making sure that you accurately analyze whatever it is that people are asking you to be a part of, whatever task, and then you set um, expectations appropriately. Because if you set the expectations appropriately, um, as he he said before, then you can start to frame what success looks like, a failure looks like. So sometimes this involves pushing back, right? Somebody says, I need something in three days. And you say, what are we what are we looking for in terms of quality here? Are we looking for a three-day result? And nobody, everybody will say, well, no, we want it to be right. Well, if we want it to be right, then we're going to need a week. You see, that type of thing is going to tell people, and then you, you hey, now, you better have it in a week, and it better be right, okay? Don't, well, set yourself, don't set yourself up for failure, but at the same time, don't let someone else set you up for failure because you're trying to, as uh, as I said before, you're trying to fight against this whole imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. pushing uh, pushing the limits of human um, of human ability and even the limits of uh, of ability when it comes to your technology and everything around you because you're promising to do stuff that can't be done that quickly. You know, well, real real quick, I wanna I wanna you know I I I am the one I am the middleman when it comes to you know, the, the jargon of the of the knowledgeable and the layman. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, fastidious means... <laughs> oh, here we go. With fastidious this. is an adjective that means very attentive to and concerned about accuracy and detail. So there you go. For all of you people, you can now call yourselves fastidious. But you brought up a great point that I want DJ to kind of get into, if you will, um, where you pointed out the fact that someone tells you they need something in a certain time frame and there are there are people who are afraid to have that counter conversation and says hey what are you looking for in terms of this rush project because if you're rushing me do you want rush results if not then you need to give me the proper time but we all know and we've been in the corporate arena and we know that you know there are expectations of that level but then there's the fear of countering that conversation for fear of like, okay, if I say something outside of this, if I don't, you know, if I, you know, I, I'm basically releasing my narrative. I'm letting them control my narrative because they obviously believe in me of, of some sort. So they just might need it. But then I'm afraid to come back because then if I counter it, then they're like, oh, well, you can't handle it. So DJ, I want you to definitely, because I know, you know, I know, I know we are, we've all encountered situations like that, but just to just speak to that a little bit, especially when it comes to the power of image and branding, because You've got people that that situation will arise, and because they they are enveloped in their image and their brand, of course, they don't want to have that conversation because they don't want their image to become the person, in essence, to be weak. It's like, oh, you can't handle the pressure of some of sorts. But you know, speak to that a little bit if you can. I lean right into that. I'll tell you something that I was taught, um, maybe about a year and a half into uh, my uh, my professional career. I had a manager that told me something that I live by this today. You can, if you ever meet any of my clients, any of my coworkers or what have you, they'll tell you. Destrian is going to choose one thing that he's going to do. And Dr. Loving has seen this too. For the most part, what you're going to get from me is this. You get to choose one of the two. Either I'm going to be out late or we can drink a lot. 
So if we're going to drink a lot, we're going home early. If we're going to be out late, we're not going to drink a lot because I have to answer the bell the following day and it's up to me to deliver. Now, a lot of people will get put in a position where they're going to stay out late, they're going to have a lot of drinks, and then they're not going to answer the bell the following morning. And you're dealing with people that have 15 plus years experience on top of yours of doing this. They're going to be there at 6.30, 7 a.m., and they're going to be ready to go. You're going to be the person that's being talked about. And what you've done is a classic example of overpromise and underdeliver. You, you need to know the boundaries. So if you take a step back and you make that real and you say, well, Destrian, I need you to turn this project around in 72 hours, my question is going to be, do you want speed or accuracy? And you see, the question is not, the question I'm posing is not, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not essentially giving a problem back to the person that's asking me to turn this around. It's more so clarification. I'm asking them, I'm asking for clarification, exactly. W what is it do you most desire? Would you like speed or would you like accuracy? Because I can get it back to you today if you like. Right. But the accuracy, there's going to be a variance. And I, I will highlight that. If you need this today, we can say that this is directional. In corporate America, directional means that we've taken a look at it, and we're not sure, but we're going to hold you accountable for it. Directional in nature, meaning it, we, can, we can back up some of these facts. If you have something that requires thorough review and the attention to detail, which Dr. Jamu talked about, but this is critical. Attention to detail separates, you know, potential CEOs and presidents from those who just get stuck right in the middle management level. They are great motivators of people, but it's the attention to detail that you didn't put the pin on your tie. It could be as simple as that. He talked about the physical appearance, which we can circle back to. But as it relates to the attention to detail, AJ, that's critical because while you may feel like you're in a position where you're not delivering what the firm wants, in many cases, you could be providing the level of insight and the level, level of intellect that shows that you have a level of uh, attention to detail that the firm should take a deeper look at because you're looking at the broader picture. You're asking questions that matter. Would you like speed? Would you like accuracy? And, you know, if your manager says, well, I want both, and you can simply say, in this situation, you're going to have to let me know which is the priority, one or the other. They may not choose, but I can promise you they're going to airmark the fact that you understand that those two things are at play and at risk because those are risk. If the company is making a decision, a long-term or short-term decision, that's either long-term money or short-term money that they're making those decisions about. So anything you can do to show the ability to think about the bigger picture enhances your brand, it enhances your image, and therefore enhances your opportunity to raise your hand for you know, other leadership-type roles, other positions, or more of an opinion or a seat at the table. So it's not only important to you, but it's also important to people who look like you. Because we've talked about this throughout the, uh, the podcast series, 
you're not just leading the charge for self. At some point, it has to be beyond that. And if you really want to create a change, uh, be a catalyst for change or be a change agent, you have to think about what type of opportunities are you creating for others who look like you. Because, again, we're talking about a narrative. And the narrative for a very long time has been that minorities and women are not good leaders and you can't have them in leadership capacities. We know that not to be true based on research and based on earnings. So given that information, what are you going to do, listeners, to capitalize on that and close the gap so that we have more women and minorities in situations that they can positively affect change and lead? Because they understand themselves, they lean into that, they understand the box that the company may be trying to put them in, they embrace that, and they leverage that, and they're using that to brand themselves appropriately, and they're creating the image that they want in the corporate persona that authentically identifies them and uniquely qualifies them for positions and opportunities to put others that look like them in similar roles. So, you know, that would be my response to that. Well put. Dr. Levin, what I want to pose to you is, and we, we've hit on it and we've tapped on it a couple of times, but I, def, I want to pose to you the specific question so that we can identify correctly the different barriers and obstacles when it comes to people overcoming the objection as far as controlling their own narrative and basically putting, taking their image and their branding in their own hands and in essence, you know, manifesting their own destiny. What do you think are some of the, the biggest obstacles that people face when it comes to doing that? You know, as far as, I mean, it could definitely be fear, but you know, what do you see or what do you personally think is some of the, the larger things that come into play when it comes to, you know, taking this into your own hands, controlling your narrative as far as image and branding? Um, I think, the first thing, and, and I think this is the biggest sort of overarching thing, is what do they already think of me and how do I get past that, right? Especially when you're talking about a lot of our listeners. We've got a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, women professionals, a lot of uh, traditionally underrepresented minority professionals who, who listen to us, and I think they know out, the, out, out of the gate when they come into a place um, – that they that they've been brought in for a certain reason, um, and sometimes that reason is they need certain numbers of uh, in terms of in terms of representation um, on certain things. They feel at least they feel this right the when they when they yeah man they so they feel this when they're when they're out there and so it's it's one of those deals where you feel certain pressure to say all right. Am I speaking for all black people? Am I am I speaking for for me? What what exactly am I supposed to be here to represent? And I think that can be a challenge, right? The fear of and being I, a monolith. Yes, and so what you have to do in those situations uh, is to um, is to to lean on on the skill that you actually bring to the table. At the end of the day, there's a root set of skills that are necessary for whatever job they put out there. And those are the things that you looked at when you looked at that job description and you talked to everybody within that company and you said, hey, I can do these things, right? And, um, and you probably maybe already have some experience in them, whether it's in the classroom or in the uh, professional world. And so you know you can do that. But 
in terms of weaving it all in and you're in this new whirlwind environment with all these uh, people who grew up very differently than you. And so now you have to think, well, how do I present an image of competence that is consistent with they think a person with what they think a person like me who would also be competent uh, um, what does that look like I, am I the magical negro right you, and we've seen this I don't know if you've heard you've seen this in movies and Will Smith is played in, in the legend of Bagger Vance and other deals where it's it was, you're all knowing all powerful sage black person that can bring a lot of things to bring all of these things to the table and you think well maybe I'm here for this and so you try to get outside of yourself and do too much okay Think about what it is that you can realistically uh, um, bring to the table, what it is that you are, um, what it, that you're good at doing, what um, the tasks require, and then set realistic expectations. And with image, it, it's, an, you know, people look at it as it's, it's something that's it just is. It's exogenous. Um, you know, I, I, I look how I look, I present how I present, and people think of me how they think of me. No. This is all intentional, right? There are people who are extraordinarily intentional about the clothes they wear, the way they speak, all of these things. And I'm not saying you have to nitpick everything that you do, but you do need to recognize that everything that you do is being received as a form of communication and is being taken into account when people come to to say what the image of Dr. Loving is or what the image of Destrian is. And so if you are a person who tends to be deliberate, um, people will look at that potentially as a positive. There may be other people who say, no, I don't want somebody who's deliberate. I want people to go from their gut. It's probably better that if they I want somebody that they that just goes through the from the gut and doesn't think about things that they don't pick Destrian to do something because Destrian is not going to do it unless he can do it right. And he's, and that, and that, I, I think that's a solid image to project, right? I think that, and, and branding is going down that, going down that path of the image that I have out there and really solidly showing how, how a Dr. Loving presentation is different than other people other people's presentation, even if we're talking about the same material. And so you're going to get a different experience overall if you work with me and it, and it um, further defines you and, and, and creates a value for those who are interested in what it is that you bring to the table. So again, as we talk about people being more important than things, there is a certain unique um, element that you bring to whatever it is that you're doing that nobody else can do, right? And those are the things that you want to make sure that you elevate when you are um, intentionally setting your image and also the things that you use as guidelines when you brand yourself so that people can know what they're getting when they get you because when they do and they choose you and they get what they expect and they're going to be even more satisfied and happy about their situation, which leads them to, to give positive reports and reviews on you and you get more business, okay? So this whole thing is intentional and you want to make sure that you're not one of these people that's just leaving it to happenstance, right? And whether it's in the company, it's in your relationship, it's in everything. You're always communicating your level of interest, your level of competence, your level of commitment, and whatever you're doing. 
right? And so you want to make sure that that level that you're communicating obviously is consistent with what it is that you can deliver, but it's also, you know, something that you want to be communicating. If you are feeling bad that day, maybe that's not the day to take your uh, to take your headshots. If you're feeling down or you're feeling low, and that's not how you normally are, maybe that's not the day to go out on calls, right? Because if you're gonna be if you're gonna present yourself badly or in a way that's inconsistent with what you typically would bring to the table, hey, you might need to stay inside and just do some internal work that day. Just being honest, that's just the way I feel about it. Most definitely, that's truth and honesty at its best. DJ, you had some points you wanted to make, but I definitely want to pose a question to both of y'all, but go ahead and make the points you wanted to make. Yeah, man. Um, listen, I have to give a lot of credit to uh, both Anthony Freeman and uh, LaShawn C., which were both our professors at Tuskegee University. One of the most important things that I've ever learned in my, my life, I literally mean my life, is that we are all CEOs and presidents of our own companies and brands. This was told to me at 19 years old at Tuskegee University, and I was held accountable for that until I graduated. And when you walked into one of those classrooms of the aforementioned professors, you had to be dressed in business attire. I mean, down to your socks. They, they kick you out. But it was because they were bringing opportunities in front of you that you otherwise would not have. I can remember walking into class, Edward Jones, 3M, Procter & Gamble, whomever would just be sitting there waiting for you to present to them mm-hmm. on whatever case study. You know, like forget your homework. If you don't have homework. Your job is to be prepared to present a business case. And if you're not you're fired. Like you could literally fire group members. And which you've also they, you've also tarnished the image and the brand of the of said uh, professor. Uh, right. And, and they the know that they know that they know the caliber of students that they're training and bringing up. So when you fall short, everybody looks bad. Everybody looks bad and you're going to hear about it. So I think that's important like when you when you talk about branding, I think that one of the things that we well, we all, and specifically me, we neglected to talk about up front is understanding how you get there. Knowing yourself is important, but you also need to know how to properly brand. And Dr. Loving was beginning to like really bring it home there to talk about the fact that you have to be introspective. And if you know that it's not, you can't give your best self, it is not the proper time to do certain client-facing or interpersonal type of things. That might be a time to work on self, like you said, but just tying this thing back, AJ, I view, I personally view, because I've been taught this, when you walk into corporate, because you are your own CEO and president of self and brand, you are enacting or endeavoring to engage in a long-term corporate internship that will teach you how to lead and manage an organization independent on your own. And notice I said lead and manage because I think that's, those are the two skill sets that you have to obtain in order to effectively understand how you need to really brand your image. Okay. So leading and managing are different. 
leaders empower others and they use influence. We talked about this. Managers are about control. You have to strike a very careful balance between the two in order to brand yourself or really leverage your image because while you need to control the narrative, what's probably more important than what you say about yourself is what other people say about you when you're not present. So that is the attention to detail that we talked about earlier so that you are properly planting the seeds that are going to harvest and manifest themselves at the proper time. So Dr. Jamu talked about being on time. He talked about being prompt, having a level of attention and detail that surpasses that of others. Those are the things that you want to be uh, said about you in rooms when you're not present that allows you to continue to develop your brand, but now you have other people marketing for you. So that's why I talked about earlier that marketing and branding are different. Your brand is, it lives in action. It is you. Everything you do, like Dr. Jambu said earlier, marketing is how people feel about it. What do other people say about it? Is there a catchphrase about it? What would be the catchphrase about you? You know, those are things to consider. And then finally, what I would say is, what do you really want? Not now, but later. So what is it that you want later? And what is it that you can do now to properly position yourself from a brand management standpoint to align yourself with your one, three, five, seven-year goals? Those things are important because at the end of the day, having a brand is more about the experience, the consistent experience that a person has with you more than it is about anything else. So if you can't consistently deliver what it is you're saying you can, you don't have a brand. You have a saying or a slogan that you can't deliver on. You are overpromising and under delivering. You bring up a good point that I want Dr. Levin to take right quick because at this point we're we're speaking in terms of someone who has a brand and they have an image that's established. But Dr. Levin, I want you to kind of lean into the pressure of upkeeping said brand or upkeeping said image. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about in the past, on the past episode of, you know, we were we started off avoiding the box, but then we talked about the the cases where you you embrace the box and you use it to your advantage. Now we're talking about the power of image and branding, and we've gotten people we've we've gotten to the point where we're talking about people who have established their image and their brand. Well, let's talk about the pressures of upkeeping, the upkeep of the image and brand, because people think, oh, once I've got it, I'm set. It's like, oh, people know me for this, 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 and this. So I'm good. I'm on easy street. But just speak to the the pressure of upkeeping that brand and how powerful it is because, you know, one false move and everything's gone. Yeah, and and I think that's a, a very good way to describe it, especially in this day and age. You know, we have we got cancellation culture that goes on around in, in this day and age where people don't um, boycott you and say we are not going to deal with you until you give us or do a certain thing or act a certain way. They say you canceled and we don't fool with anything having to do with you anymore at all forever, right? And so the stakes are a lot higher in terms of how people perceive whatever it is um, that, that you're engaged in. 
And so you have to be more mindful than ever about what it is that you're uh, you're engaged in and, and what that what that means to people. And, and I think a lot of times it ends up and people feeling like, well, man, I, I have to be more much more careful about what I'm saying. I, what can I do? What can I say? I'm bl- everything's got to be bland. Nah, it doesn't have to be bland. But where you're being spicy, you better be intentional about your spiciness, right? You got to recognize that not everybody is going to receive what you say the same type of way. And so you have to be, you know, you got to recognize that there is an end that you are trying to get based on all of the means that you're employing. Okay, so if you're funny, recognize that if you're being funny on behalf of a potential of a particular company that has a particular type of message, then you need to be funny in a type of way that is is uh, is is something that is acceptable for the type of business that they're engaged in, right? Or the type of business that you want to be a part of and, and be successful in. There's certain jokes that um, you can tell, and they would be funny in certain environments that are not funny in the professional environment that you're trying to establish yourself in. All right. So you need to know the rules of the game and that can be, you know, just saying, Oh, you need to know the rules of the game. Well, Hey, nobody was here to teach me the rules of the game. How am I supposed to know that? That's why it's important to have mentors. That's why it's important to have that um, that, that circle of influence and people who can talk to you about what is um, what is appropriate and, and what isn't, and just always be receptive and listening to learn. You know how you can improve the way in which people hear what you're putting out there because. You know, what you put out there, that's a lot of times that's about the intention that you have and what you'd like to say. But then when people respond to it, you can get an honest sort of feel of what it is that even though you think you've communicated one thing, what it is that everybody else has been hearing. And I think for men in particular right now, when we're talking to women in this Me Too movement era, we, you know, a lot of us are scared to speak because we don't. We don't want to the things that we have been that that we're saying to be taken the wrong way or to think that you know people to think that we're not an ally in certain type of ways, and I think that's when it becomes important to listen or when you and especially when you say something and there's a, a response to it it it's important to really think before you start reacting and immediately just trying to defend yourself okay we are in a in an environment where things are are moving. And, and it's that much more dynamic than it has been in the past. And there are people who are extremely uncomfortable with how, with how dynamic the environment is in a lot of different ways. But man, when there's movement and there's this dynamic sort of uh, feel going on, that's when surges in productivity can happen because places where uh, and people from whom they you know they may not have been anyone listening to them before. Now there are ears listening to individuals and groups that they, had, that they hadn't listened to before. And so now you might see ideas that we hadn't thought of, ways of dealing tech, with technology um, that might improve things that are actually likely to be game changers in terms of business that are out there. And, and so it, it, takes an, it, it takes an open ear in terms of the people who are receiving it. The, uh, the new information from the, the new opportunities that are out there, but it takes you as a, um, as a 
an individual engaging in the business world, you have to be dynamic too in your approach and you have to be consistent in terms of the messages that you're sending about your abilities, right? But also, hey, if you're a person that's cutting edge, you wanna you wanna make sure that that, that you're not um not dampening that to be uh to be seen as comfortable by the company that you work with. Maybe you need to maybe you need to start making moves to work with a more cutting edge company or, you know, maybe even within the company that you're in, maybe there's a more cutting edge division, but you don't want to just allow yourself to sit there and wilt when you have abilities that are going unused. But a lot of times when you have abilities that are going unused, it's because you have not put that forth and shown people that you have these skills and you haven't branded it. And so folks don't know. So, right. DJ, real quick. I wanted to throw you two points too, because I know where you're headed, but authenticity and being on brand is what I want to throw to you. So you take that where you want to. All right. So that's crazy. Um, Really what resonated with me, what, about what Dr. Loving was saying is that oftentimes we do have individuals that come in and they are truly authentic and they are being them whole, their whole selves. And then that is, I would say, reined in. In the proper situation, it would be coached and it would be harnessed, but sometimes it's reined in in a way that those people will never be the same. Never. And it, it, it kills the creativity that they may have or the uh, the upside that's associated with them being creatives or what have you. The, the corporate culture is different everywhere. What is important is that you walk in and you assess what it is in the space that you are. Because one of the things that can happen very quickly is for a person who's willing to to own their destiny, control their narrative, and speak up for themselves, you know, we talked about a box, but you can be typecasted as difficult because I don't I don't want to make this seem like there are no consequences to owning your destiny, controlling your narrative. You have to be willing to take some calculated risk. Okay, so I want to make sure that we're clear about that, and and part of those risks are that folks will simply say, hey, this person is pretty difficult to work with. Now, the best leaders won't, the best managers won't, but I can't promise you you're going to get the best manager or leader. So I don't want this advice to be taken back to the office on Monday and everyone said, well, we listened to the Brethren podcast and they said we should come in and own our destinies and careers and then they're fired. What I want people to understand is that it's, it's, it's calculated. And the reason why it's calculated is because we see, you know, we see personal character attacks. We see, um, we see um, corporate assassinations and, and, and we can even, uh, we can point to real life examples of people controlling their narrative, their brands and what have you. And some of those people have lost their lives over those very things. So that alone shows you the value of it. There's significant value in knowing who you are, understanding your own personal brand, 
but understanding what you want it to be and how do you go about engaging others and being advocates for it. Um, when, when, you, um, when you really and truly take a look at the, uh, the landscape that we're faced with and, and the things that need to happen in order for us to move forward, it's going to take strategic moves and calculations like this is these these are all chess moves there's no time to you know arbitrarily think that the stakes are low as relates to a situation as critical as this because avoiding the box is one thing but that's just the first step in branding you as something much much greater whether that be good or bad you know um so, hey, you know, here's our, you know, here's our diverse diversity champion. That may be great internally, but you'll maybe you'll never be an external uh, or client-facing person because that works for, for some markets, but not for all. I mean, I've seen that myself personally. You know, uh, some clients in my industry is 95, 97% white male. Um, do we need to diversify Absolutely. The face of the client is changing and we need to change with it. Uh, Dr. Loving does a presentation concerning diversity. Well, Dr. Loving's an independent consultant. He has a PhD. He can come in and talk about these things. People laugh, they shake his hand, they move on and they go, hey, that was a great presentation. I'm tied to my organization. They talk to me frequently. I come in, I do the same presentation. I become the diversity guy. Those same people that may have, you know, talked to me about things that would have given my company an opportunity to act on information quickly, maybe they don't talk to me as much because I seem like the guy that wants to replace them. Now, you have to choose what you want. Is my brand one that says I care more about, you know, what the client feels in terms of what's right or wrong for them, or am I truly aligned with what's right for the larger client, which is the entire industry? And I think you guys know where I would fall on that, but those are opportunity costs, and you have to consider them because you could lose allies when you're branding yourself, when you're defining who you are, when you're willing to walk in your personal truth and that truth overlaps with what your role is corporately. Everyone is not going to agree with you, and they're not going to go with you. You may have some managers that don't. And I think you need to be willing to own that, and you need to know how much you're willing to sacrifice. Because let's face it, you know, we, we have families. They have to be taken care of and provided for. But there's a level of integrity and respect that you need to be able to walk out of that office with and bring it home with you every day, too. And I think you know, finding the balance between those things determines what your brand is. Um, I'll say this because Dr. Loving touched on it in the last episode about not uh, just spending recklessly. The more you save and the more you put yourself in a position to be independent of your corporation, not saying that you want to leave and you're not a committed employee, but the fact that you have an option to walk away, 
you'll really begin to lean into your personal brand at that point and what it is your true calling and purpose might be because you're free from making decisions about money and you will start to make decisions about the things that matter most to you. And ultimately that's impact and happiness for, for most of us. For some, it may be money and that's fine too. You, you're going into that people over things territory. Mm-hmm. You're going into it that is. people over it, things territory. But I know, it, but I know exactly there. where you're hitting. But I know where you're hitting. Yeah. And I'm going I'm to tell you to hold it for the after show. I'm going to tell you yeah. to hold it because I know exactly where you hit it. So what I want to do is right now, I'm going to say, Dr. Levin, go ahead and give your closing remarks as far as this topic, uh, power of image and branding and control of your narrative. And then, DJ, you will take and give your closing remarks. I'll give mine as well. And then I will encourage everybody that's listening to, you know, go ahead and click that. Get on over to the, the B side <laughs> and listen to the after show because we'll we'll, we'll definitely continue with the direction we were heading because I definitely got some points on the board and I want to bring up, but Dr. Levin, go ahead and give your closing remarks. Did we get there already? Oh, my goodness, so quickly. All right, so look, in terms of your image, understand that this is something that um, that you will project, and the more you're intentional about projecting that image, um, the, the more successful you're likely to be in terms of having people think um, about you in a way that's actually related to what it is that you bring to the table. And once you've decided all of those things that you want people to see about you, whether it's that you're, you're detail-oriented, that you are, um, you're a people person, that you, uh, you, you get the job done, you under-promise and over-deliver, these are things that are, are – um, that that are are brands. These are things that people think about you, right? And these are positive things. You can also have negative brands, and and you have to work work hard to overcome those over time. That could be a whole other show, by the way. Is when you've been brand when you've done some things and you've made those negative impressions, and now you have to go the other way. But on the positive side of things, you want to make sure that you are actively working to reinforce these positive images that you've been putting that that you uh, work to put out there. And you need to do it on a number of levels. In person, you need to do it online. If you're a person who is really out there in terms of the the media. Um, as a public persona, you probably need to have a PR individual out there working with you so that you are active about pushing the uh, pushing your brand in a way that can be productive for you financially, but also in terms of your overall uh, your, your overall social capital that you bring to the table that you're continuing to to foster that and build it over time and not do things that are going to uh, to negatively impact that. We could think about tons of situations where people who are famous have done things that were extraordinarily stupid for absolutely no reason at all that led to no real productivity for them, right? And they were already famous. I don't want to talk about those things right now, perhaps in the after show, but the important thing to recognize is that that image and that brand that you put out there for yourself is a valuable thing. It's an asset of yours. And if you're strategic about it, it gives people an insight into those things that you uniquely bring to the table that they're going to be willing to pay you for. And that's that when, when we start talking about the actual, hey, as a business person, that's what it's, a, that, you know, they need to see what value you bring. 
And those are the things that are going to help them be able to readily see your value so that you can stand out from among the, the competitors um, that, that are out there. And so that's all I have to say about that. Again, it is, like we've said a ton of times, a people over things type of situation because it really is about what you do as an individual and how you communicate that to other individuals so that they can see what it is that you do and do best. So, Well put as usual. <laughs> DJ, your closing remarks. I'll start with this. It takes, think about your brand as your reputation, obviously, but you've heard your grandmother, you've heard your mother, if you grew up in a, if you grew up in a black household, you've absolutely heard this. If you haven't, you've heard it in some shape, form, or fashion. Um, This transcends cultural bounds, I think. You know, your elder statesmen in your family will tell you that it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, and it only takes a second to tear it down and that is true forever true in the corporate arena simply because you're dealing with a more closed network and information travels fast and information travels faster than it's ever traveled before and let me just say this negative news travels faster than any news okay so as it relates to your brand, that is something that you really need to understand. Take that in and let that be the leading indicator of how you govern yourself as it relates to uh, developing a personal or professional brand. The, uh, the only other thing I would say is a question, man. Um, what do you want people to say about you when you're not in the room? So what types of behaviors, activities, and engagements are you having to create the conversation where you are not present, but you're still controlling the narrative. It is easily accomplished if you're consistent because you know what people are going to say if they're being truthful. You can't control if they're being truthful or not, but you can control your behavior, your activity, and you give yourself the best possible chance to have the best you show up when you're not present. And that's when it matters the most. When you are not in the room to defend yourself, when you're not present to be your own advocate, it matters what other people say. Because you don't get the opportunity to prove them wrong. You don't get the opportunity to challenge their opinion. And you do not get the opportunity to change minds. So controlling the narrative is about your consistency. It's about your actions. It's about your behavior. It's about your plan. Those are my closing remarks, Arthur. Thank you very much. And as usual, I want to definitely thank you, gentlemen, for embarking on this journey. As usual, my closing remarks go as follows. When it comes to the power of image and branding, make sure that you are yourself controlling your narrative. But you can't do that without first knowing yourself. And we've said it in the past episodes about defining yourself. But once you've defined yourself, make sure that you truly know yourself, that you can control your narrative. And be authentic and be on brand once you figure that out. Because as long as you know yourself, you know what your brand is, you know what you're putting forth, you know what you're exuding, in a sense, in the in the realms that you're in, personal or professional. And we understand that pressure exists. We've talked about it before. Dr. Loving alluded to it before where pressure makes diamonds. You may not know that you're a diamond at the time. Pearls don't know that they're pearls at the time they're forming. But pressure does that. So take it with stride. Know yourself after you've defined yourself. 
and understand that the power of your image and your brand, like DJ said, will help to control that narrative when you're not in the room to defend yourself. To the fact that where when you're not in the room to defend yourself, someone else may stand up and defend you because they know your brand. They know how authentic you are. They're on brand with you. And they may soon be a part of your strategic alliance or your power circle, if you will. So remember those points. But uh, as usual, we thank you all for tuning in. Make sure that you're following us on our Instagram at BredrenPod, B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D, at BredrenPod. You can listen to, listen to us on all the different platforms that we're available on, Google, Anchor, iTunes, and more to come. Follow us at our respective websites, DestrianWellsConsulting.com, AjamuLoving.com, and MMBBGW.com. And um, we hopefully are doing something that you like and you all is valuable to you all. And as usual, we love you all. And stay tuned to the after show where we dive a whole lot deeper into this as usual and um, really get into the power of image and branding on a personal level. So we love you all and thank you for listening.